Welcome to the Latter-day Struggles podcast with therapists Brandon Patrick and Valerie Hamaker. Now, we have both been in the trenches for years with church members and heard about all kinds of problems, suffering, and struggles that church members have. We are here to have thought-provoking, honest, bold conversations about those false traditions that cause people harm. So let's go. All right, Valerie. Um... If we're righteous, we will prosper in the land, correct? <laughs> oh, you betcha. Yeah, that's, you know, I, w- I want to believe the answer is yes. And I think the answer is uh, the same as it often is, which is it depends. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, it's a little trickier than how, how yeah. we might just interpret that on the surface, right? Well, um, right. And I think we also have to define what prosper means. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. hold that for a second, because I want to give, mm-hmm. give some examples of this. Okay. Um, because I see this all the time. And actually, yeah. the way I was raised and, and the way I really approached God and spirituality in the church, I believed this. Yeah. Um, I think of examples like a client of mine who, who acts out with pornography, masturbation. Um, this is a true story. His child gets sick the next day. Um, his child is in the hospital. And the whole time the child is in the hospital he's beating himself up saying, because I did this horrible thing, God is now punishing me. Wow. Um, and, and I'm not having blessings in my life. Bad things are happening because I'm a sinner and I'm unrighteous. Um, wow. That reminds me of that story in the Bible, uh-huh. the, the blind child and people are like immediately moving into, well, clearly the parent did something wrong, like black and white response to a very likely complicated situation. Right. And, but the black and white response is this very, very transactional uh, contingency model of God's love where, uh, you know, I earn God's love. If I'm good, then God's love comes into my life and I get what, what I want. And my life goes the way that, that I want it to. So, oh man, there's so much to say here, Brandon. I think that, well, my gosh, the first thing that just cringe makes me cringe a little bit is the idea that we ever have to earn God's love. Mm -hmm. Like that's so fundamentally fraught and, um, it's a, it it comes from a place of, well, it's, it's a mistaken notion and it's also very shame oriented because, you know, we are all so wounded and struggling and making mistakes all day, every day. And so if we're really grappling for God's love by, by needing to do well by him or the world, then we're never going to get there. And that's just really a sad place to live. Well, uh, you know what? It it creates a shame machine a a, a little bit of like, every time I do something wrong, what will happen is if I sin or I do something wrong and then something bad happens, all of the blame and all of the badness comes back on me because now I'm, I'm saying, well, there's, there's the proof that God's mad or, or whatever, because I haven't been, been righteous. Um, Yeah. It breaks my heart. And I see this in my work all the time as a therapist is, you know, is that um, this idea that we have, there's something to be earned uh-huh. and that the foundation of, of who we are is not fundamentally lovable. Yeah. And I think that right there is something that has to shift. It's, it's, it's a lie. It's wrong. And 
it doesn't mean, okay, well then I just don't, I don't try. I don't, you know, um, do the things in this world. Like, like, let's just talk about like, okay, well, keeping the commandments, aren't we trying to earn God's, you know, earn his gratitude to us or something like that. It's, it's a, it, it, the whole thing is, is backwards because we do the right things fundamentally, or at least I think in later along in our development, we do the right things because it feels good to be in connection with our true selves and our true selves seek light. Well, here's, here's the thing, Valerie, like I, I do not believe that the commandments have been set up and are in place so that God can then um, spite us or have have some you know you, you know accounting record of oh that commandment yeah exactly like it's not that it's not okay I'm I'm looking at you and I've yeah. I've marked this off and now you're bad and but but if you really think about the commandments if if we remove this whole kind of paradigm of earning God's love from it. Yeah. The commandments are there just to protect us. Yeah. That's what the, yeah. that's why they're there. They're there to just help us and protect us. Yeah. And, and God yeah. doesn't get he's not I'm I'm really referencing strongly the all things new Terrell and Fiona Givens idea of like we've got to go backwards in time and recognize sort of what notions we have injected into the LDS church around like that we are fundamentally sinners in the hands of an angry God. Yes. Neither are we sinners, nor are we ever in the hands of an angry God. And when that is our premise, everything else is wrong. <laughs> but okay, Valerie, then let me ask you this. Yeah. Are, are our blessings not predicated on righteousness? You know, I think that's, it's interesting that you would, I mean, I, the answer is yes and no, right? I mean, I think once again, nothing is black and white. And that's why I like, my my greatest passion is to speak about how to become a spiritually whole person, mm -hmm. how to develop spiritually, because in the lower levels of spiritual development, there's very much a quid pro quo or an, if this, then that, if I right. do this, then God does that. If I serve the old lady across the street, then, you know, something good happens. And I, I can, but, but that's not, as we get into higher levels of spiritual development, everything becomes murkier and more gray and we have to start redefining what it means to prosper in the land. Prospering in the land, in my mind, is more a metaphor of becoming a whole person, becoming a whole soul, which doesn't necessarily mean I may not lose my job it, or right. I may not like there is not a one to one correlation because God, in fact, is blessing us. But it, it takes a little bit more digging to sort of have the eyes to see in what ways he's blessing us. If I do right now, one more thing mm -hmm. that I want to just flip on its head a little bit is I do think also fundamentally we are here to learn and grow. And so I think sometimes the greatest learning comes not from keeping the commandments, but from struggling while we don't keep. The oh, commandments. yeah. And so we'll ultimately prosper in the land by our, by our struggles too. Right. And, and I think that we prosper by, by working through whatever comes from, from life, what, the, mess. So, the mess, the mess of life, mm -hmm. the wrestle. And yeah, I, I just, it's not, I, I like what you were saying. It's not so two dimensional. Right. If this, then that, you know, I think of one of, one of my good friends mm -hmm. and you know, return missionary, humble, just, just solid guy. Like, 
I, I don't know. I don't know if he's like doing bad stuff behind the scenes, but it sure doesn't seem like he is, right? right. Yeah. And him and his wife have a baby and the baby lives for a month and dies. Oh, no way. And and so you look at that and it's like, okay, like to, to me, he's a very righteous, good, holding to the iron rod, straight yeah. arrow guy. So then why would that happen to him? And yeah. I don't think it doesn't work to have it work one way, but not the other. Um, right. It, it falls apart. It's, it's just, you live long enough and the one-to-one -one correlation, the transactional relationship with the divine, um, when we, you know, in our, in kind of hand quotes, when we do what's right, things go well, it, it falls apart very quickly. So the premise has to be wrong. Right. The premise itself is wrong. Mm -hmm. It, although I do believe that it's, it's taught a lot in church, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and it's taught the wrong way. Yes. Um, you know, blessings predicated on righteousness means yeah. We interpret it that black and white way. Yeah. We, we look at it that way. We we use shame in order to define who we are, whether we're okay or not. And well, well and I think too, what what ends up happening when that is taught in church is it it is an invitation for a massive faith crisis when the one plus one does not in fact equal two. I mean, I I'm just thinking. I mean, you and I could sit here for a, the entire time. I've one of my closest friends. Her daughter has a brain tumor. Right. Good people return missionaries married in the temple. I mean, and this is two of like thousands. Right. Why, yeah. why, why the brain tumor? Yeah. It's not because they've been sinning. No, no, no. that's We've not why. And, and at the same time, it does. So that's the whole thing is that for two, well, the, the thing that kind of comes up for me, Brandon, is I think about um, some of the reading I've done on the book of Job mm -hmm. and how, this whole question is answered in Job's grappling with the Lord. Like he enters into, he entered the beginning of the story is all about a man who did well and things went well. He had all the, you know, the wife and the children and the lands and the riches and the wealth, and he loses everything. And it doesn't make sense. Right. And then in the end of the story, we learn more about his grappling and discovering that independent of all of this, he still can be in relationship with God. And there's one little verse, I wish I could quote it, but I can't. Um, but it's touched me deeply in my studies. And the idea here is that before those things happened, he'd heard of God. Uh -huh. And when after these things happened, he saw God. He has a true relationship with the divine because he walked through the complexities of things not going well and his recognizing that he could in fact still be in relationship with the divine independent of a contractual relationship. Yes. I, I have, have you read mindset with Carol Dwick? Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. It, like, yeah. It, yeah, it's interesting. What you, you might be thinking, what does this have to do with what I just said? But yeah, I, I actually think it has everything to do with it in that, you know, that the basic premise of mindset is that uh, it's a growth mindset. So, mm -hmm. The, the things that happen to me in my life are for me. God is working for me. They're, it's growth versus a fixed mindset, which is, is things should be a certain way. And when things are in a certain way, that's bad. And yeah. that gets stuck there. And so this, this transactional model of God's love, um, really defining your worth according to the blessings that you get and the sins that you have, is very fixed mindset-y. Um, yeah. Whereas growth mindset is, I believe something. I believe that God's out there loving me. I believe yeah. that growth is is in the is there is happening here. Yeah. And I want to come back to something you said. 
um, because I think it's important to kind of flush out. We can grow through our struggles and our sins. Yes. So are you saying, Valerie, that I should go out and sin? I'm I'm saying that we don't need to, we don't really need to intentionally figure out how to go out and sin because we're going to do it anyways. You know, I mean, Uh, I think it comes down to where our heart is and there is sort of the rebellion kind of sinning, which doesn't necessarily bring fruits of growth and transformation. Right. But I think most of the time when we sin, we're falling short because we are in struggle. We're weak. We're human. We, We have bodies of flesh. We struggle. And so we're grappling with our own mortality, but in so doing, we're coming into connection with the divine. And incidentally, those folks that come into my clinic and are trying desperately hard to never sin, um, they have no connection with the divine because they don't, they're trying to not need to use the atonement. Yeah. And it, it, okay. You got to explain what you just said, because it's really important. They okay. have no connection with the divine because they're trying to not need the atonement. Save themselves. Right. Okay. Trying so, to but, save themselves. but explain more like what that looks like, because I see it all the time. Yeah. But explain well, what that looks like. I mean, I think, I think it kind of comes down again to some of these false traditions that we have taught and uh, we continue to sometimes teach our children and at church, which is um, this, it's, it's like, a, I think there's a, some Western philosophy intermingled into it, you know, even maybe some corporate culture, like U.S. values, because we are a U.S. based church, which is this idea that like, we can earn this thing, we can work hard and do our best and get up earlier and stay up later, serve more, like do all of these things and earn our the, salvation. Then what's the point of the atonement? There is no point of the atonement. And, and it's, and the thing that's so sad about it, the, the whole thing is wrong. Because that's why this is a good conversation for us to continue to have, Brandon, is it's, it's complicated. Okay. I, I do want, as it just, just speaking personally, I, I, I want to get up and be a good person and do my best every day, but I can't let my worth be hinging on how much I do and how little I need the help of others and especially the divine. And especially when it comes to my own mistakes. Yes. Most of what I learn the most about Valerie and her weaknesses um, has to ha- comes when I live in this place of my own self-compassion. And I recognize that, yes, I need a savior. And yes, I make mistakes all the time. And that keeps me in close connection with my savior and with my heavenly parents. And that they're not disappointed or upset about me being human down here. They're actually rejoicing in the opportunities that I'm having to deepen my growth and deepen my relationship with them as I'm trying to make sense of my own messiness. But if I'm fearful of my messiness, because I fear that every time I make a mistake, I'm continuously making them mad. My own humanness, which is inevitable, continuously estranges me from the divine, not because they're estranged, but because I'm estranging myself from them. I would call that, I would call that sin. So, so Uh, like if I'm doing all of the right things for the wrong reason, like if if I'm doing it all out of fear, a lot of control, trying to earn God's love, trying to be good enough, yeah. I'm creating shame. I'm creating disconnection from myself, from God, from others. Yes. And even though on the outside, externally, it looks really good, yeah. my, my heart, God looketh on the heart. Yeah. My heart is full of shame. It's full of fear. Yes. It's not doing okay. It's not doing okay. And I would even go so far as to say, and I know this is going to sound a little bit um, 
drastic, but I've had this experience myself. I want to return to your, your case study mm-hmm. with this gentleman who was sort of um, overcome in his own shame. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interestingly, I, I, I feel very sad on his behalf because this is something that has been embedded in him and his, his theology is, is wrong. And also what it's doing is it's, it's estranging him from the very thing that matters most in that moment, which is taking care of his child. He's so consumed in himself Isn't that, interesting? that he can't actually let go of himself and recognize this has nothing to do with me, but yes. I want to go minister to love on my child, support my partner. If I have one support, like it, it, the theology is it's self-absorbed quite frankly. Yes. Yes. It's very egocentric. Mm-hmm. self-absorbed yes yeah. you know i mm-hmm. i was meeting with a client once years ago and he was this very distinguished um attorney he was, he was very successful with a raging addiction he'd done all kinds of things um in his marriage and to his family and he came in for a session and he just he just broke down and just mm-hmm. was sobbing i mean he, yeah. he did not look like the distinguished attorney that he was and right and he said to me, I'm, I'm at the point now, Brandon, where, um, there's like God, there should be no reason for God to ever forgive me. Like I, oh there's, there's, and, and I said to him something that I, I think kind of confused him. Um, I said, maybe all of this stuff, this addiction, mm-hmm. the problems in your family, maybe this is God's way of trying to get to you. God's way oh, of I trying know. to love you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and he couldn't in, in that, in that model of of transactional love with God, all he could yeah. see was this gap that was created. Yep. In his, and, and the reason it was created was just the way that he was thinking, right? Precisely. He, he is the wedge between himself and God, not God. He has that agency to create that mm-hmm. wedge, and God and, will allow him to do that. Well, and I would say that like the thing that I know you and I feel strongly about is, is the theology itself. Well, it's, it's the way it is. It's talked about that makes the misunderstanding so easy to fall into right yes and so that's why i think you and i are trying to really create a forum to be like okay these are the people we talk to these are the wounds that they're suffering through because we need to do a better job of talking about theology and its pureness which we do have access to it's not that the the theology is not the problem especially if we understand it well there's something like we believe in the in in the unconditional love of the divine right we believe in the healing and saving power of the atonement but but doesn't the atonement i'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here yeah. just a little bit mm-hmm. because this, these are some of the things that i've i've been taught and i've since really shifted but doesn't the atonement work after all that we can do no no really valerie because i was taught different i i believe and my um, the, the atonement is unconditional. Okay. And so then, then I can just go do whatever I want, I guess. Well, the actual fact of the matter is you can, <laughs> you know, and I think, I think to the, to the extent that we, we allow the atonement to heal us by our own broken hearts and contrite spirits, then we become changed through the atonement. So the activating power of the atonement is always there. What we do with it is up to us. Some yes. people can become very hardened and bitter and, and do bad things, if you will. And they learn nothing from it. Sure. And they learn 
relationship. Other people, I mean, I, believe me, I've said this to many an individual in my office. That it seemed it sort of has the same ring as what you were saying, which is, I believe that the kindest and gentlest people are the ones who have suffered. And the last thing we want in this world or in this church is for someone to be a bishop or a state president who has never, or at least purports to have never done anything wrong. Amen. And those are the ones, the gentle, kind people who have, who have harnessed the power have accessed the infinite nature and power of the atonement. And sometimes guess what? It comes through pornography. It comes through infidelity. It comes through those things. Now, it's a very painful process because sin hurts us. It estranges us from our divine creator and the divine within us. So there is a, there's a high price to be paid. And yet sometimes that's what each of us need. Yes. Yes. And, or all of us need on some level, right? Uh, yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I think what you're saying from, from my personal um, experience to understand that um, I had to really um, step into some faith, step into yeah. the dark a little bit of letting go. It, it's weird, Valerie. I was comfortable with knowing I had the shame underneath to motivate me to be good. Mm, I've and, talked to a lot of people. Yeah, that's yeah. not common. And a lot of my clients it felt that way. Yeah, of, of like, it, mm -hmm. like, I am scared to let go of this shame. Like, I'm scared to mm -hmm. let go of thoughts like, well, I can just do whatever I want. And so um, I better I better tell myself that God will punish me or else I'll just go crazy and I'll go nuts and I'll do all these horrible things. And, you know, we're taught that the natural man's an enemy to God. And so, so we think we're naturally evil and broken and bad. And I think if we let go of the shame as the motivation mm -hmm. and this transactional model of God's love, we might find out something that we're naturally good we, we, well we know we are i mean right. i think that's the thing that's that's challenging right um you know in the face of the scripture the natural man is the enemy to god i think if i were able to interpret that from my own lens it's that we as mortals struggle and we are estranged from the divine because of the because of our humanity and so i think i get i think it has it has sort of the flavor in my mind it's like if you go into like the doctrine and covenants and it talks about God's eternal and endless punishment, it's not endless and eternal, literally, that's more a metaphor. And I think this could be applied the same way that the natural man is an enemy to God. I don't believe that's literal. What I mean, what I think it means is that we live in these bodies with appetites and passions, and we are here in this world grappling with ourselves and in relationship. And so we struggle, but fundamentally the message taken literally couldn't be further from the truth. The natural man, I, Valerie, my soul, before I came into culture and tradition and all the things, I am whole. Yes. Like yes. my DNA is whole. Yes. And I, I, Valerie, I would say that acceptance, yeah, that surrender into who you really are, yeah. like that's what gets you to the tree of life. That's what gets you yes. to... to not the iron rod's not made of fear and shame no. it's not made it's you know like this pathway back to heaven is not you know, the adversary doesn't use fear and shame to get you there no. right it's it's, no. it's it comes through surrender and acceptance of who we yes. already are 
and, yes. and letting go of the control of trying to become what we should be so that we have, we have to do certain things to get. Yeah. And I think that's the pathology that you and I manage all the time in, our, the time. in our caseload, because there's a mistaken notion that there's something to be earned. Yes. And that they are not. And I mean, that's actually the, the theology that I bring into my room, whether it is with LDS caseload or not, because I'm here in the Midwest, is that like the, the fundamental scaffolding around which I work is you are already whole. Yes. You're sitting in this room. We're working through something, some struggle, relational yes. struggle or sexual struggle or whatever that thing is. Fine. That's fine. But the, the raw material, you, you are whole. I have had church leaders tell me the opposite, Valerie. I, I know. And I think yes. that's why people that struggle and then they go in and try to resolve something with a well-meaning ecclesiastical leader. That can either be profoundly healing, which I've seen, or it can be profoundly tra traumatic. It's profoundly healing when what? When, when the paradigm is that of one's capacity to already be lovable before, during, and after whatever the thing is that they're and, in the room. And it's when, it's when that person feels that from that church leader. You're already whole. You're already loved. You're okay. Now let's deal with the consequences of what's happened. Because but, it doesn't feel good, right? Not because there's something wrong with you that needs to be fixed. I mean, like one of my favorite quotes, I can't remember the whole thing, but it's like, life is not a problem to be fixed. It's an experience to be lived. Yeah. Yes. Open, right. Like, like, you see what I'm saying? And so if we Okay, back to your, your thing about the bishop, right? I, I believe the same of any kind of a, a guide, whether it be a therapist like you or me or a bishop or, um, you know, a, a military chaplain or something is our work is to reflect the love of God to the people yes. from us. That is fundamentally what our work to do is. And then what happens is that as they begin to feel that, what comes to the fore is their capacities to become whole. Right. And yes. overcome whatever that thing is that they're struggling with. And sometimes it's um, it's it's really about redefining whether or not it even is a struggle by who's, you know, who's who's defining the struggle, how they can learn, how they can grow, what they've learned from it. You know, what's interesting, Valerie, as I, like I when I say these things, I totally believe what you're saying. Yeah. In fact, I know it's it's true. Yes. Um, when I say these things to certain clients, um, they and and what we're talking about is is being free from shame we're yeah. talking about feeling god's unconditional love mm -hmm. uh, you know and some some clients i'll say this to and they really don't like it yeah. um, they're so in that mode in that model of a shame-based yeah um righteousness atonement whatever you want to call it yeah that when i speak out and say look like you, they, they say things like this well, no, no, no. Like I do have control. I've got to be good. You're telling me that I don't right. have to try to be good. Um, you're trying to let me off the hook. You're justifying things. Yeah. I've heard the same things. You're making it so that I can just justify whatever and say like, I am whole, I'm good. I'm, I, I am how I am. And, and it's and and here's what's scary for them. I believe Valerie mm -hmm. is when you remove the fear and the shame as the motivator, you then sit in a place of real accountability mm -hmm. um, for your actions, for your choices, for your behaviors. So it's not fear saying, I must, I'm compelled to do this. Yeah. It's now a real wrestle. It's a faith-based wrestle with God as to why you do what you do. Yeah. Um, 
and that's scarier and harder, I yeah. believe, than just blind faith automatically going forward in righteousness. Yes. I, yes, I, you're you're speaking into this idea that I think when we when we shift our paradigm from fundamentally wounded and broken, you know, to fundamentally whole, what we have to do is accept that we have to begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. And what that also means is a radical change from how I think sometimes we are taught to see ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no, God doesn't work in fear. God doesn't work in shame. And the beautiful thing is that when we truly see ourselves as potentially whole, we are drawn. What, what we flow towards is healing is wholeness. Yes. And so it's, it's very paradoxical that when, and this is kind of the thing that I, I'm, I'm, I feel like what ends up going wrong sometimes, especially in the teaching of adolescence is if we teach this doctrine around, um, sort of the purity culture and the, the no sinning and the, like the, 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 the fear-based sexual <laughs> instruction, right. Right? right? Um, yeah, you may get those kids into the temple, but they're no closer to the divine because they don't see themselves as divine. They see themselves as little automatons that are terrified of doing the next wrong thing. Yes. And they live in this fear based place that keeps them distant from the divine, which is, I think, why we move into sort of a box checking kind of theology. Yep. Yep. Like if I'm do this, I'm okay. And if I do that, I'm okay. And if I do, and, and it's through, it's not a mistake that Eve fell and Adam followed her. Yes. It was meant to be because I don't believe God was not looking. I don't believe that. I believe that God wanted to, and needed for us to live as complicated beings that know things and that, that we have to make challenging choices. And sometimes we have blind spots and we make mistakes. And that is actually part of the process of learning and growing into our true divinity. Yes. He's yep. not so, surprised by it. So it, to, to put it in real layman's terms. Yeah. So um, perfectionism or trying or being perfect is out of fear. Same. doesn't doesn't really help me progress yeah. and grow and get closer to God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I, you know, I, Teresa of Avila, the, the ancient mystic, you know, she said these words, like, like sin is behoovenly sin is necessary. Yeah. It's inappropriate. Yeah. Um, and again, spiritually developed people don't necessarily have the need to, or desire to take advantage of that. They just see it as something that is. Yes. yes. Right. And I think that's the worry we have is that somehow we're like, incompetent to recognize that sin is necessary and we don't, we feel like we're going to go, you know, off the deep end. Well, again, that comes spiritually, spiritual maturity says, I don't really, when I get to that point, while I will make mistakes, I, I stop having the desire. I don't even right. want to, right. I'm not worried. Yes. I'm going to go off the deep end and that you're making excuses for me. You know, if you're talking to a client, they right. think, okay, I will struggle from time to time because healing is a process, but I also I'm not too, too worried that I'm going to somehow like lose control because right. the more we get, the less appetite we have for that. It's, it's a cleansing of the soul. We become different. Yep. We changed. I think the thing that's removed is that sin no longer defines them. Yeah. Um, there's no bit of like finding myself worth through righteousness or yeah. it's like, I already know that I'm loved. Yep. Um, 
I'm going to do the best that I can. And I know I'm going to fail and I'm going to fall and I'm going to sin. And that doesn't define me. I already, I already know it. I already know who I am. And when it's that way, then the sin or the struggle or whatever we want to call it provides real opportunity for both connection to God and self-realization and discovery and figuring out who you really are. Um, And so that's, yeah, that's an opportunity. If we're rigidly just coloring in between the lines because we're just terrified to do otherwise, um, that that's a very anxiety laden position to be in. I know one of the things my husband was musing about the other day is he's like, I always chuckle at, you know, some of these um, conference talks and things like that, that just insist that we should be the happiest people out there. Like, Uh he's like, why would they say that if there wasn't some like the idea there being that we aren't like we we're, we're under a lot more anxiety and stress than we need to be. And it's probably because of a misapplication or a misunderstanding of the plan of happiness. Yes. Not as challenging as I think we make it to be. And I think it comes with low levels of spiritual maturity. Yes. The premises being wrong and causing a lot of anxiety because we're, we're, we're climbing a ladder up the wrong wall. Yes. Well, I think, you know, these beliefs that, you know, that we have to earn it. it. We're talking about it, Valerie, like, yeah, we, we shouldn't do this. It's, you know, but the reason we're talking about this is because we see, I see people with major anxiety disorders, yep. um, like, like serious addictions, uh-huh. depression, they're shutting down. You yeah. know, I had, I have a friend that gets depressed for two months after conference every year. Yeah. Um, because it reminds her of how imperfect she is and she's not good enough and she's not okay. Yes. Um, like, so, so there are real consequences when you, when you really go down that rabbit hole and you live that way over and over and over again, yeah, it really affects your mental health and happiness. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I know we both have lots of case, <laughs> case examples of this, and it does take a lot of, um, lovingly helping people recognize some fundamentals that they take as a given in their mm-hmm. own theology that are destructive. That's scary, Valerie. I know. That's scary to look at that. I know. It's very, very scary. And I actually have some that really embrace it and others that like, they, you know, we have to be, you know, we have to be um, judicious in how quickly we move with some because that is the lifeline and that's the boat, you know, the boat that they have (laughs) grabbed onto forever. But the thing that I continuously and consistently notice in my own caseload is the ones who resist this kind of reframe that I offer to them the fruits of their lives are not very good. Yeah. Yeah. They struggle. The people around them struggle. The theology generally. Yet they resist it. Yes. They, yet they resist it. Yeah. And I, mean, I remember just this week I was working with somebody who like, they take a little baby step into the possibility that what I'm saying might be true. And then they, that and they immediately like run back to the life raft. And I, yeah. I don't say it because I want to be sensitive to where they are in their own development, but I'm looking at them going, and yet look what, what's going on in your life. Clearly this hasn't been working for you. Clearly the fruits are not there. Yes. And there is resistance uh, in every area of your life, proving something to the contrary of what you insist to be true. If you do, if you do or believe what you've always believed, you're going to get what you've always gotten. And I I mean, I just, this week met with somebody who uh, is just tormented with shame and it's just this very thing that we've been talking about today. And I tried to just like, have him just consider what I believe to be is the actual atonement. Yeah. 
and just push back just know you know i've i've got to be better i've got to earn it i've got to be okay i just need to be be more righteous i got to work harder i got to blah 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 and he kept going on yeah. and on and on and i was trying yeah. to say, just stop and love yourself first yes stop and like that's all you need to do and he couldn't he couldn't yeah. stop and do that well he's um hasn't suffered enough, right? He's still trying to do this more of the same. I, I find that um, when I work with folks that struggle with things of that nature, when they finally have suffered enough and it's just kind of like, okay, that's not working. I have to think of a different way of looking at the situation. Yeah. And when they finally um, do believe, I mean, I spend hours talking to people about unconditional love. Yeah. Hours. And, um, and especially those who struggle with a lot of shame. And when they, when just there's a kernel of hope and, you know, the light starts like leaking in a tiny little bit. The interesting thing is that most of the time, um, the thing that they're so worried about, whatever it is, if it's a sin or whatever, um, those actually, those things actually on their own begin to lose their hold a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is very, very scary because um, most of the time, the, the the thing that we're doing, I know in your case, you, so there's a lot of addiction and or maladaptive sexual acting out or whatever. Um, uh-huh. Most of the time, there's an adaptive reason why they even went there in the first place. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. and so it's it's kind of introducing to them a way of being that they have no familiarity with. They're very connected to and, and bonded to their pathology or to the way they see themselves and the world. And so it's very scary to entertain the possibility that there's more wholeness in them than they ever believed and that they yeah, don't yep. make themselves over the coals, you right. know, all day, every day. You know, Valerie, we haven't even like, and we're not going to today because we're running yeah. out of time, but right. to get into sexuality and this yeah. whole thing, you know, throw that well, in the mix and <laughs> whoa. You know, yeah, there's so much to say there and I'm excited to talk about it. And yeah. I, I, I kind of threw in a little teaser a few minutes ago, which is I think some of what we need to really unpack is the way we even define what sin is in hand quotes in and of itself is a big subject. Some yes. things that we believe to be something that, that we have, that we have, Sometimes we have reason to believe that there's something maladaptive and wrong with us that is, and even that is misunderstood. Yes. Yes. That, um, that we live, um, our, 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 our religious tradition and high demand religious traditions have an occupational hazard of creating a lot of very anxious people. Yes. It's not mandatory, but it is a, it's something we need to have to, to keep our eye on so that we aren't doing that. Yes. Or imposing that on ourselves or our children as their parents, as their mentors, as their leaders. Yep. And it's because of a misunderstanding of, of our relationship with the divine. I think that kind of drives that. Yes. Just to, just to wrap up, I just want to say to whoever's listening um, that this might make you really uncomfortable, but I'm going to say it. Um, you are unconditionally loved. That there's nothing you can do, good or bad, that's going to take that away. Um, so that that's that. There's There's no if, ands, or buts about it. Um, you don't have any control over that. Um, you are unconditionally loved. And I know that. I'm pretty sure Valerie knows that as well. You know, if I could add just one quick little thing to that, um, and I 100% agree, Brandon, I think if there's one thing, you know, it's not our, I, you know, sins is a big word that I don't even, I think we even need to unpack what that means. But let's just, I'm going to just keep it simple and say, if there's one thing that grieves God, it isn't our sins. It's our self-hatred. Yes. 
Yes. That, that is something that I, I have to believe that our heavenly parents look down and, and really truly grieve at the way we show a lack of compassion on ourselves for our very humanness that they have gifted us as an opportunity to come closer to them. And so when it goes backwards and we become further from them, because we estrange ourselves from them, that, that, is, that is the God that weeps. Our heavenly parents do not disconnect themselves from us, um, but we do have the agency to disconnect ourselves from them. Tragedy. And, and, and the adversary will come in and use shame to do so. Yep. And that's what we see in our practices every day. The time and and that's what we want to that's why we're speaking to it today so you can recognize it in yourself and realize that you have the power to actually fall into the love that our heavenly parents have it's a choice it's yes. it's where agency comes in to choose to see ourselves and the divine within us as as infinitely whole yes awesome well thank you valerie um if you found this discussion helpful then Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating and a review and share this with whoever you think it would be helpful for.